Welcome to Win with Richardson and Richardson. What's important now? Success in business most often comes down to hard work, not by silver bullets and quick fixes. It's knowing where to focus that hard work that's key to winning. Join sales prospecting expert and three-time seven-figure business founder, Carrie Richardson, and managing partner of R&R Consulting and former owner of Doberman Technologies, Ian Richardson, for radical honesty regarding strategic planning, accountability, and execution that will get you the systematic results you're working toward. Let's get into today's episode. Thought leader and your host, Carrie Richardson. Hello and welcome to WIN. I'm Ian Richardson of Richardson & Richardson Consulting and your host, and today I'm joined by Josh Kotler. Josh has been in IT services since graduating from the University of Miami almost 30 years ago. He began selling software network solutions to law firms where he learned the basics of running and growing a small business. 25, he knew that that was enough to start a business of his own, and with two other partners, he built an IT services company before exiting in 1998 to do a second company. That company, Western Digitech, grew to nearly $7 million in revenue, had best-in-class profits, which he then sold to Compass MSP, a large national uh, private equity-backed player, in 2019. He took the reins as CEO over at Compass MSP, focusing primarily on growth through M&A. Two years, four substantial acquisitions later, Josh has left Compass, and he's now moved on to his current venture, that venture, Sansom, Sansom Street Partners, with best-in-class fellow MSB operator and good friend Dave Davenport. SSP is dedicated to helping MSP owners prepare their companies for the best possible exit, to get the best possible multiple, to make sure that they have improved operations, better maturity, and better profits so that they can sell for the best outcome for them, the seller. The MSP industry that's given a bunch to Josh, his determination and driving factor now for this last rodeo is to spend the rest of his career helping others enjoy similar success stories. Josh, welcome to Win. Thanks, Ian. Uh, glad to be here. Hey, glad to have you here. When we when we spoke on our prep call, we were in through uh, the way that we that we handle when we always talk about challenges, achievements, opportunities, and the challenge that you recognized and are currently helping solve is the issue around scale. If someone's a one, five, ten man band or a one million, two million, three million dollar organization, they just can't get the scale necessary to manage certain areas. One thing that you mentioned was compliance, CMMC and other areas, or just when it comes down to it, having the resources to service people right. Sure. Talk to us about this. Walk us through that challenge. Well, look, I think we're heading into a new period in, in, in sort of the uh, MSP uh, evolution. Uh, we're almost certainly facing a probably serious recession um, there's incredible wage pressure uh, and you know, inflationary pressure that's on MSPs right now. Uh, everyone is aware of the M&A activity that's being driven by private equity. And it's just created a new operating environment for MSPs. It's a little more challenging, right? I mean, you know, you talked a little bit about compliance. Even if we took the other stuff and put it aside, just 
the addition of uh, a new compliance requirement around uh, security, around different verticals, is enough to really bury a small MSP. And mm-hmm. uh, look, I ran a pretty large MSP, uh, Western Digitech in Miami and Tampa that, that I built. Uh, it was important as we as we grew to have resources, and by resources, I you know I mean cash, right? Mm-hmm. So we could make decisions and adapt to new market conditions. I sold to Compass MSP, and all of a sudden I was in a new world uh, where we had a lot of resources, whole new buckets of cash, <laughs> buckets of cash, uh, buckets of cash, and and you know the nice thing about that situation is you can get ahead of these things. Right. You don't have to be right about everything. Uh, the cash gives you the opportunity to uh, to to be wrong a couple of times along the way toward getting things right. When you're a two or a three, even a four million dollar MSP, you know, if you're making I just got off a service leadership call uh, a few minutes ago, even if you're making sort of median uh, EBITDA, you're 10 lucky. to 15 points. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe a little less. Right. Uh, you're lucky if you have a few hundred thousand dollars uh, to, to go out and address all these challenges and deal with your, your team that needs to be paid more. Um, you know, it's Gary Pico, who's someone that I've worked with over the years um, and, and holding really high uh, regard, likes to say that uh, EBITDA equals choices. Right. If you if, yes. you, if you're making money, you get you get a lot of choices. If you're not making money, if you don't have sufficient EBITDA, you don't get to make decisions. There are no choices. Everything is ex- uh, existential. So, um, you know, that's what I think that's the thinking that that, that you and I picked up on uh, when we started talking about scale. How how can small MSPs get the scale they need to get the resources they need uh, so that they can uh, make some decisions so that they can get ahead of things, so they, they can think strategically. And, uh, you know, the, the first way is, is to sell, right? Yep. That's, that's a form of getting getting scale. Um, not everyone wants to do that. One of the things I'm seeing uh, a lot, and I know you're seeing this as well, we talked about this, is smaller MSPs in a given geography banding together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're not moving up uh, stream to private equity or to a large consolidator, but they're getting scale by putting their resources together. Um, I think we, we didn't talk about this. I think maybe the third way is to become vertically focused. Mm-hmm. Right? That's another form of scale. If you are dominant in the legal space or light manufacturing space and you know those technologies and you have a you know particular expertise that's a form of scale right because yep. it gives you a massive advantage in the marketplace so yeah look it's uh, it's incredibly important for uh, msp owners at that sort of subscale mm-hmm. range we're talking about to start thinking about how they can get scale some are great salespeople, right they can yep. they can probably drive a little scale organically on their own. They need to get out and do it. Yeah, one of the one of the tactics we used in my old MSP. I grew up in a healthcare household. Yep. And so walking into a doctor's office and saying, "Hey, look, I understand that you can't buy anything in quarter one, 
we can arrange things to hit after April once you start getting your insurance reimbursements. Suddenly you understand their business, you understand a challenge without them having to articulate it. Right. What are you doing around revenue cycle management? What are you doing around wearables? How are we making money without you having to be in the room? What's your billing strategy for your mid-levels? You can go on and on and on through these different questions that if you have deep vertical knowledge, the other guy who comes in is like, well, yeah, we can fix your printer too and we'll charge $50 less. And it's like, I don't care about that because you're talking about fixing a commodity and these guys are talking about making me more money. And that's a fundamentally different business relationship that that someone who doesn't have that knowledge, doesn't have that wisdom and expertise, can't compete in. And look, I couldn't agree more. It's what customers want. They know that you know a dozen companies can can fix their printers or you know deploy a cloud server. What they want to know is that you understand their business. That you, to use a the old Bill Clinton line, that you feel their pain. Oh right? yeah, hundred percent. Sure that you feel their pain. That way they can they can trust that you're going to get to that pain with your solution. They're not going to have to explain it to you. And if you think about that from a scale perspective, let's say that um, that a large you know, national MSP is in your market. Mm-hmm. Let's say they don't know healthcare that well. They've got a bunch of reps. They're getting in the door. Their name you know, gets them in the door. But if you can compete with them, with your, with your expertise, if you can uh, command a higher price, guess what? You're going to be able to start making better and better decisions with the mm-hmm. gross margins that you pull from that deal. Whereas the, you know, even the large national company there has to compete a little bit on price. So it's an advantage. Whenever you're, whenever you're not talking about price and you're talking about value, you're winning. That's right. We, uh, always those subtle ways, like you were getting at mm-hmm. earlier, subtle ways of just communicating that you understand their business that are the most effective, right? Yep. Asking the one informed question it demonstrates years of of uh, expertise. Uh, yeah. It just just is it's massively beneficial. You don't have to brag about the experience. A quite a well formed question is worth a thousand words. Yes. We we just talked about winning, and uh, that kind of cues me up for the for the second part of our conversation, which is around achievement, around the recent win. And we talked about that right in your bio, that recently you just exited from Compass after completing four successful acquisitions. You stayed for two years. You, quote unquote, did your time. You paid your dues. And now you uh, you and them have parted and, and it's, a, it's a friendly parting and yeah. a, planned, a planned departure. Talk to us about that half of it, because that's a piece where most people don't get to have insight. What is it like navigating a successful exit after you've exited your business? Look, that's one of the things that I talk with my clients about uh, in, in my new venture, right? It's it's not just sort of navigating to a number. It's mm-hmm. helping them understand what's going to happen next. What's it like to sell your business? What's it like to hand the keys over to someone else and you know let them drive? Uh, I can tell you from experience that it can be a little nerve wracking. In my case, shortly after I handed the keys to them, they kind of handed them back to me. So I got to drive the whole company for a while and, and that was fun. But uh, it's, a, it's a different world. And, you know, for a lot of us uh, MSP owners, our MSP was our baby, right? Mm-hmm. This is the thing we, we reared from infancy. And it can be, there's a big emotional component to 
letting go, uh, if, if you will. Uh, for me, I couldn't have asked for a better, you know, two years, uh, two and a half years between the time I engaged with Compass to sell through closing. And then for the subsequent two years, I learned things that I never would have had a chance to learn had I continued to operate my MSP. Compass mm-hmm. is a success story. So the the uh, equity that I rolled into the deal and, you know, we can go into more detail, but, you know, I, I rolled about 10% of the total deal consideration into Compass. That equity has grown substantially. So I've still benefited in sort of the upside of, of holding mm-hmm. equity. Uh, I just had a chance to de-risk, do some things I'd never done before, learn from some really sharp people. And then, you know, what can I say? The entrepreneurial bug hit and uh, I'm, I'm back, back out. Time to, to, time to do stuff. something new. Yeah. That's uh, the reinvention cycle. And that that's it's interesting. We had a we had a webinar. Um, Carrie and I did a webinar earlier uh, where we were talking about that. And, and you, you started to hint at it around the concept of arbitrage. Yeah. Where that 10% of your equity, which, you know, if 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 we're doing simple math, hey, 10% of $100 is, you know, 10 bucks. But if I roll that $100 into your company and now I have 10% of a new company or some percentage of a new company, and a new company is worth $1,000, well, my $10 yeah. sure. just became $100. Yeah, my I mean, arbitrage overnight i'm immediately more valuable and as that company grows and scales we're not talking a magnitude of just one to one your your one million dollar msp might get you a two to three x multiple off of ebitda but if you're part of a 20 million dollar msp right. you might be commanding upwards of 15 times ebitda yeah look one of the one of the pieces of advice that uh, or, or things that that i talk with my clients about is is exactly that. And, and, you know, larger MSPs, MSPs that are in that $7 million range, $10 million range, mm-hmm. the deal consideration is so substantial that they can afford to roll more of the deal uh, into the new company. But yeah, that's instant. Let's say, just for the sake of argument, that my business was valued at seven and a half times, right? Yep. Uh, you know, Compass and other people, you know, might have different opinions on this, but a large consolidator might be valued at 15 times. So that 10% piece that that I took doubles, you know, that I overnight that I, just doubles the moment yep. I signed the, uh, uh, signed the deal. So uh, I didn't understand that as an MSP operator, didn't understand it, had no clue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and one of the things that I think Sansom Street Partners does for smaller MSPs or MSPs that are looking to exit they give them that education ahead of time where you can actually use it uh, to your advantage. Well, and, and so there's just an interesting piece here around strategy, because if the MSP owner is sticking around, if you're staying as part of this larger organization, you are rolling equity forward. Mm-hmm. That's a strategic conversation with your team, with your clients that, hey, I've got money riding on the success of this thing. I'm in it to win it because I own part of this new company. I'm still an owner. Yes, our name might not be, you know, ABC IT. It's now XYZ company. But I am an owner of XYZ. I'm one of many. And so that that can like the amount of of anxiety one could remove and release just by having, by electing to do that pursuit of rolling forward equity 
it becomes a very easy with clients to say, I'm not going anywhere. I'm just, this is just a, this is an equity thing. This is a money thing. So one of the things that acquirers uh, try to do in every deal is reduce risk, right? I mean, once, when you're dealing with multiple arbitrage, that's, uh, you know, say seven and a half to 15 times or six to 12, whatever, however you want to look at it, um, that's a sure thing. Unless the business suffers a serious disruption. And one of those disruptions would be a mass exodus of customers or employees, right? Mm-hmm. So in, in the interest of reducing risk, uh, acquirers often, not all of them, will allow you to roll that equity so you can uh, go forward into the market and talk to your employees and 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 give them uh, give them that uh, uh, you know th- that angle that that perspective right that uh, good news if you want right is is really the way to look at it and you know retain uh, mm-hmm. customers retain employees that's why they want you to stay for two years some want you to stay longer some are okay with you leaving earlier I mean but there's always an element uh, of of uh, post-close involvement, uh, mm-hmm. and it's all about reducing risk. It's not because the acquirer just loves you and wants no. your. It's it's, it's not about your, risk. Not your winning personality. Yeah, it's about risk. They uh, they they want to make sure that the that the money's preserved for all. And so, think I mean we're already we already kind of stampeded into this conversation track. But when you and I are talking about the opportunity that you're pursuing, that there's an opportunity that isn't necessarily talked about a huge amount that yes multiples are at an all-time high in our industry the market is hot but people in private equity people in large consolidators are professional buyers of businesses yes and your average msp owner may this may be their first business maybe it's their second rare couple few it might be their third or fourth endeavor but most of the bond, most of the sellers in today's market haven't sold a business. That's They've right. maybe sold a house or a car or things right. like that, but they might not even have done that yet. They might have never done a major asset transaction. Sure. And so there's a huge disparity between buyer and seller and acumen, skill set, tools of the trade. And you're aiming to level the playing field a bit. Sure. I, I imagine sitting down. You don't know how to play chess. Mm-hmm. Right, and across the table from you is a is a grandmaster. Uh-huh. Some of these acquirers are grandmasters. Uh, I I was not. I was a uh, you know whatever. I'm trying to figure it out myself as an acquirer. Um, you wouldn't have a chance. Oh yeah. They're ex- they're telling you how the pieces move, right? Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, they're grandmasters. So, yeah, it's it's important for MSP owners that are becoming sellers to get an education um, and get some help, right? Really get some help because you, you just don't want to go, you don't want to go into a gunfight with a knife. It's a yep. bad idea. Yep. You want to be able to, you want to be able to service appropriately. You want to be able to have a, a position of strength at that table, right? Don't, why would you, why would you walk into the game with one hand tied behind your back? And and most people do. Most people have both hands tied behind their back. And I know this as as an acquirer. Um, and look, it's uh, there are a handful of relatively, you know, easy to accomplish things that mm-hmm. can greatly level the the playing field. Um, you know, the best one is is to establish a market, 
right? If you can create a bidding war, then it's almost like getting another couple of uh, grandmasters to help you make moves, right? Yeah. Um, indirectly, but but it helps. Uh, understanding your enterprise value, which is something that most MSP owners, that's a term they're maybe these days, maybe familiar with, but generally I know nothing about. Uh, mm-hmm. Understanding how everything, they, every decision they make in their business impacts enterprise value is a new lens for MSP owners. And we try to give them that new lens. So essentially running advocate advocate running that business as if you're selling it tomorrow even if your timeline's multiple years out that's right think about business to sell is a great business right best business to keep is a great business that's Uh, right it does it does make you think right uh why why did we all spend so much time running these subpar businesses right i mean Mm -hmm. i was lucky gary pika and, and his crew uh you know Peter Bryden and, and Bob Penland, they helped me tremendously. And my peers in the peer group helped me tremendously. But I, I think my experience was a little uncommon. Um, I was really lucky to end up in the different groups I was in. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, look, it's just imperative for MSP owners at all sizes, maybe even more important for the smallest ones, to go get that expertise, go get that help today so that they can start building something that that's going to have real value when it's time for them to exit start asking questions early and that's how that's how we'll leave it this has been another episode of when what's important now i'm uh, i'm ian richardson one of richardson and richardson consulting josh why don't you throw out what's a what's a good website for people to go to visit if they want to learn more about what you and ssp are doing well, look, I, I think that uh, the best thing for people to do is just contact me directly. And, and the email address there is jkotler at sansomstreetpartners.com. So it's J-K-O-T-L-E-R at, and it's sansom, not Samson, streetpartners.com. Yeah. S-A-N-S-O-M for those of you listening. And uh, Richardson and Richardson is r&r.consulting. You can view previous episodes of WIN, subscribe to the podcast, check out our YouTube channel or our very routinely updated blog. I'm Ian Richardson, and until next time, take it easy. Thanks a lot, Ian. Thank you, Josh. You've been listening to WIN with Richardson & Richardson. What's important now? We're so glad you've joined us and know you're one step closer to winning big in your business too. We'd love to connect with you outside of the show. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to connect at rnr.consulting. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast so you'll easily know when new episodes are available. Until next time, you can win and we're here to help.